The Trouble with Being a Demon. Part 1 of the Fiends with Benefits series. A Good Omens Fic, written by Verdant Valpis, read by Literarian. Chapter 4 There was an Antichrist and everything. Aziraphale had been deep in thought when the phone rang. He had a great deal on his mind today, and the more he tried to reason it out, the more wretched he felt. The day had started off well enough. Crowley had slept the whole night on his sofa, and Aziraphale had been reading quietly, if occasionally sneaking the odd admiring peek at the demon's long neck, limbs draped so gracefully. His body seemed to flow over the confines of the sofa in such a way that begged to be scooped up and carried to a more comfortable surface or be cuddled on a warm lap, perhaps. They had spent many nights like this and it never caused any upset, but last night Aziraphale learned two new facts about the demon that rather changed some things. One. Crowley occasionally spoke in his sleep. 2. Crowley occasionally dreamed about Aziraphale. All those facts alone still might not have caused any upset, and indeed may have been rather entertaining. However, this, like so many things, was dependent on context. Aziraphale's prior interactions with Crowley had left him unprepared for a context that included the demon sighing deliciously in his sleep before murmuring, Love you, angel. So, there had been a great deal on Aziraphale's mind before today, technically, but this morning was when the upset had occurred, so he decided his troubles started there. He'd been musing on Love You, Angel, for several hours by then, multiple lifetimes of looks, gifts, favours, arguments, now taking on vibrant new colours. There had been all those unexplained flashes of love he'd felt over the centuries as well. Crowley? And here Aziraphale had been drowning in his own feelings of unrequited love all this time. The nerve! It could have just been a dream. It might have been, except there had been that flash of love coming again directly from this unholy and beautiful source. This was a matter that was going to require a very careful and thoughtful approach. Aziraphale planned on wooing the demon gently. And yet... When he went into the back room to ask Crowley if he wanted tea, he instead grabbed the surprised demon by his waistcoat and snogged his face off. Honestly, like the worst sort of trollop, he was so embarrassed. 
mind you, the way Crowley had leaned into him, parting his lips with that clever forked tongue, took some of the sting out of his shame. As did the way Crowley moaned so prettily into his mouth when Aziraphale pushed him against the wall and pressed his thigh between Crowley's legs and against his rather firm... Well... Shit, sorry, sorry, Angel. Crowley cried in alarm, pushing Aziraphale away as if the whole exercise hadn't been the Angel's idea. I, I shouldn't have... I know you can't. Oh, fuck, sorry. After Crowley had fled, Aziraphale remained frozen on the spot, contemplating the fleeting sensation of that hardness against his leg, the pain and fear he'd seen on Crowley's face, the judgment and rejection the demon must have expected. It was his own fault. Not just the kiss, but the fear, too. He had rejected Crowley so many times. He had felt like such a heel about how he had treated the deer, but now... To know that Crowley had loved him as he said those things. How his heart must have broken. Aziraphale closed his eyes and prayed. Not to God, mind you, he might never pray to her again. He prayed to Crowley. He imagined his love as a great holy beast capable of sheltering his dearest demon from even the worst ugliness his mind could summon to harm himself. For there had always been something broken and jagged about Crowley. Every time Aziraphale had tried to smooth his edges, he had been met with vicious rebuke. Hell would be very unkind to the serpent if their arrangement were to be discovered, so Aziraphale chalked the stroppiness to fear and self-preservation. But no one could punish Crowley more severely than the demon seemed to punish himself. The terrible things Aziraphale had said over the centuries in his attempt to distance himself from Crowley and his feelings for Crowley were only ever more polite echoes of the very things the demon said of himself. A demon not worth the angel's salt. A lie only Crowley believed. He wasn't surprised that Crowley had fallen over himself to escape Aziraphale's kisses, shouting apologies the whole time. I shouldn't have. I know you can't. Fuck. Sorry. Some base, taunting part of Aziraphale's mind passed it differently. He thinks I can't. Fuck. <laughs> he giggled to himself. Obviously not what the demon had meant, but... Well, there had been that hardness pressed to Aziraphale's leg, and the demon had run off before he had the chance to notice the angel was in a similar state. Because Aziraphale absolutely could fuck, and now that he understood that Crowley might desire to... 
The whole running away bit had put a halt to that. What was certain to be a subsequent denial of his worthiness and insistence that Haziraphale wasn't to be sullied or some nonsense was going to be exhausting and infuriating. It had been a very long six thousand years of dancing around this point. He'd kept himself properly well-mannered the whole time, a grand testament to his self-control, by the way. The demon was temptation on a stick. Because heaven wouldn't have it any other way, and because he believed the demon to be uninterested. Now that both excuses had been eliminated, Aziraphale very much wanted to get on with things. Romantic things, intimate things, Marquis de Sade things. He was being horrible, of course, for sulking over having to wait. Crowley was hurting. He had been hurting for eons, a cycle of abuse turned inward, and as clever as the dear boy was, he was never going to find his way out of his self-hatred alone. And as clever as Aziraphale was, he wasn't going to be able to reach Crowley alone. It was a predicament because they only had themselves for counsel now. Aziraphale had been brooding over this all day, which is why he was particularly annoyed when he turned on the telly and saw Crowley on the evening news broadcast. During a segment titled Bedlam at the Aquarium, security footage of the chaos also happened to show the demon casually strolling among the panicked patrons with a dark-haired man in a suit and similar dark glasses. They were both smirking, too. They were on the screen for barely a moment, but Aziraphale knew that smirk down to his bones. He had no idea who that other gentleman was, although the glasses suggested he was some sort of protégé or the like. Crowley certainly had never mentioned anything of the sort, though, and surely it would have come up at some point over the last year. Crowley was always around. When had he found the time to form a relationship with someone else? Who was he? What was he to Crowley? How dare the demon move on without him when Aziraphale hadn't even had the opportunity to eventually come around to confessing his feelings in due time. And this thought, as well as the logistical problems with it, tumbled around in Aziraphale's mind like socks in a dryer for several hours until the phone rang. Aziraphale was quite done with considering other people's needs at the moment, so he decided to let the call go to the answer phone. Yet the bloody thing continued to ring most annoyingly. Aziraphale was also quite drunk of his third bottle of Beaujolais, which is how he went so long before realising the ringing was coming from his own jacket pocket and not the old telephone on the counter. 
with the bleary confusion of the truly intoxicated, Aziraphale pulled the cellular out of his pocket and stared at it. It had a hard plastic case with a fetching tartan pattern, and the screen glowed with his name and a red and green button. The ringing continued while he blinked at it. He was quite sure he hadn't ever owned a cellular telephone, and equally certain there hadn't been one in his pocket before he started drinking. He cast a suspicious, if sozzled, look at the empty wine bottles on his table. Answer the telephone, please, the screen now read. This must be Crowley's doing. This had him written all over it, really. Why should Aziraphale answer the phone? If he and his handsome dark protégé had gotten themselves into a spot of trouble, then they would bloody well rot. Why are you not answering? The screen read now. Aziraphale snorted loudly and took another drink. It's the green button, the screen told him helpfully. Aziraphale was drunk, but he had figured that much out on his own, thank you very much. He tapped the green button and yelled as much into the phone. Wonderful, well done you, a dry, plummy voice replied. Been drinking tonight, have we? Aziraphale scowled at the phone, confused. Crowley mocked Aziraphale's voice often, but this didn't sound like Crowley. Still, it had to be Crowley. Who else could it be? Crowley? I'm afraid not, dear, the voice sighed. But he is quite safe, I assure you. Well... Mostly safe, I should think. A little bruised, perhaps. Aziraphale tried to demand clarification, but belched loudly instead. Goodness, so sorry, he gasped. A moment, please. He closed his eyes and sobered himself up. Apologies for my rudeness. Did you say Crowley was mostly safe? Where is he, and who are you? Quite. Uh, well, the answer to both your questions is somewhat tricky. The voice sighed. I am... Heaven, this is awkward. I am Aziraphale, Principality, Guardian of the Eastern Gate, and... As I understand it, you're double from another universe. Aziraphale blinked, took the phone away from his ear to look at it, and then gave the wine bottles another suspicious look. I'm sorry, he said finally, returning to the call. I'm afraid I might still be a bit drunk. Well, before we get too far into the oddities of all this, I do want to assure you that your Crowley is with us and safe as he can possibly be at the moment. My Crowley? Aziraphale blushed. He isn't my Crowley. He isn't my anything. 
I've no say over where he goes or who he spends his time with, but... No, sorry, that's unimportant. Did you just try to tell me that you're my double? Yes, the voice continued. And you will no doubt want proof of that, although all of this would go much more smoothly if you could bring yourself to just accept this part so we could move on to how we get your Crowley home. Perhaps I don't want my Crowley home, Aziraphale sniffed, deciding this was some sort of prank on the demon's part and vowing not to make it easy. Perhaps he hurt me really badly when he ran off this morning. Perhaps the shop is much quieter and more organized without him here. Well, I promise you my shop isn't. The voice seemed a little flustered. From the sounds of it, I suspect my Crowley would be more than happy to keep yours, but I don't believe you'd wish that. This is ridiculous, Aziraphale snapped. Who is this? How did you slip this telephone into my pocket? I slipped it into mine. It's a whole celestial wormhole thing. I'm actually a little surprised it worked on the first try. I'm really quite chuffed. All right, whoever this really was, they were good. Where is Crowley? he demanded, coming around to the idea that if this weren't a prank, the demon might be in actual trouble. As I've mentioned already, he's in my shop, in my universe. The voice reiterated rather churlishly and I need you to kindly summon him back before my back room is completely destroyed. Can you do that? Aziraphale frowned. Can I summon Crowley? I, I don't know. I've never tried. The other Aziraphale, as Aziraphale was starting to come around to the idea he might indeed be another Aziraphale, clucked his tongue in thought and hummed. Hmm. The thing is, I believe you may have summoned my Crowley this morning, the voice told him. Crowley and I were having a debate and he had been about to say something unforgivable about my scones and then he was being pulled away to your universe where he came to be in front of your Crowley's flat. Aziraphale listened with rapt fascination as his double, his double, continued to explain how he had summoned his husband, his husband, back, and Crowley had been forcefully brought along against his will. I am sorry about that, the other angel huffed. Crowley is impetuous at the best of times, but he honestly had good intentions this time. He's worried yours is about to make a rather big mess of your relationship. Ah, uh, impetuous, yes, Crowley's always been a bit... I I'm sorry, but did you say husband? You and Crowley are married. Aziraphale felt a bit faint. So it's true, then, that you two aren't... a couple? The other angel asked, sounding embarrassed, as if Aziraphale had failed some sort of simple test. 
We've been a bit busy saving the world, you know. Aziraphale snapped. It almost ended, in fact. There was an Antichrist and everything. Yes, same with us, but that was thirty years ago. The other Aziraphale scoffed. What have you been doing all that time? You've honestly just been drinking wine and dining at the Ritz? You never thought to bet him once? Have you not seen his red hair? It was last year! Aziraphale squeaked, and the line went silent. And, 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 and anyway, I couldn't have bed him. Good Lord, I wouldn't think of it. Why, why, for one thing, he's a demon, and also he's never said he would be interested. Seriously? Aziraphale pressed his knuckles to his mouth to silence himself. His heart was hammering wildly in his chest, and he didn't approve of how quickly this stranger was cutting to the heart of him. He thinks it's his fault, you know, the other angel told him gently. Of course, you know, you're the one who knows Crowley best, better than he knows himself. You're his angel. You've been his only friend throughout the ages, and you know, more than anyone, that when something goes wrong, Crowley will blame himself. The air went out of his lungs, and Aziraphale hung his head in shame. How do I bring him home? I'm no longer sure you can, the voice told him sadly. Not yet. The only reason I could move Crowley as easily as I could was because we've been together for so long. We've shared so much of ourselves. I could find him anywhere. After only thirty years, Aziraphale was sceptical. Oh, we've been married for thirty years, dear boy. The other angel corrected him, but he continued in a much more suggestive tone. But we have been taking our pleasure off each other for thousands of years. Oh, ah! Uh Oh? Aziraphale felt very flushed at the moment. You're joking. Do you recall walking home from supping on Petronius's oysters with him that night in Rome? The voice was soft, but suggested a cat-like smile. Both giddy with ale and brine, and you were suddenly wanting to coax him into the bathhouse in hopes he would seduce you. Aziraphale swallowed hard. That was a secret. One he had done his best to forget about, and certainly hadn't told a soul. Not even Crowley. I... I didn't hope for anything of the sort he denied. I'm an angel. Hmm. The voice didn't sound convinced. Well, this angel, this principality, this Aziraphale, 
was incredibly randy that particular night and very much wanted to be seduced. So I mentioned the bathhouses and guess what happened? Aziraphale swallowed again and adjusted himself in his seat. He made a joke about you wanting his... his... and then you properly changed your mind and laughed and went your separate ways? This was certainly what happened for him. He did make a joke about me wanting his cock. The other Aziraphale agreed. So I took it. You... I'm sorry, you... Aziraphale blinked, cleared his throat, blinked again and wondered why he was sweating so much. You took it? I slid my hand up his thigh, right through that rich black toga of his, and ran my hand over the hard length of him. The plummy voice had become sultry and decadent, and Aziraphale felt himself melt into the sofa a little. I remember being so pleased to find him hard and ready for me. And the length of it. I wanted to get my mouth on him so badly, but I settled for his lips first, and that turned out to be a perfect idea, because the things that demon did with his tongue against mine. Aziraphale huffed out a heavy breath and nearly moaned. Tell me more, he begged. He needed to know. He kissed me until I forgot how to breathe, walked me back until I was pressed against the building behind me. We fumbled at each other desperately, and he made the sweetest sounds against my throat. Yes, Aziraphale panted, pressing a palm against his erection in hopes of easing some of the pressure. I felt his hand on my hip, then the other, those long fingers of his pressing into my skin through the thin fabric, and it felt Better than good. It felt right. I had half expected God to cast me out the second my lips touched the demons, but nothing bad happened. In fact, it only got better. Did it? Aziraphale bit his lip to keep from groaning. He should stop the conversation, change the subject, ring off the bloody call, anything except take his erection out of his pants, and yet... Kissing Crowley was everything I hoped it would be. Soft and hard all at once. That tongue, those teasing lips. Oh, the things he did to me sliding over my skin as he held me against that wall. His fingers moved closer, gripped my ass, and it felt better than heaven. This isn't hyperbole. I had never felt so accepted, so wanted. 
Aziraphale moaned, gripping his weeping erection in his firm hand, before he came to his senses, and then shame hit him, hard and cold. Oh, oh no, oh dear, I, I'm sorry, Aziraphale cried. How horrible. He had been touching himself while... I'm sorry, I should go, or... Except he couldn't go. Crowley was still trapped in another universe, and... I was doing it too, the voice told him gently. Don't stop on my account. It feels good, doesn't it? And you've already missed out on so much. I... yes, but... It's rather disrespectful, not to mention immoral, to do that without the other person's knowledge and consent, Aziraphale argued. That's true, the voice faltered. Then I am the one who must apologize, because I very much knew what you were doing and was more than fine with that knowledge, but evidently I neglected to make sure you were willing to participate in whatever we were doing. Whatever we were doing, Aziraphale echoed, looking down at his erection, still hard and aching for relief. Shall we go back to discussing getting your demon back, or... I don't wish to presume, but if you were still curious about... I am... Aziraphale winced at how eager he sounded. I mean, of course I want my my friend back where he belongs, and I can only assume he is driving your Crowley spare. Well, there certainly is a lot of profanity and shouting, the other angel agreed. And my books don't seem to be respected. Just a moment, please. Crowley! Forgive me, dear. Where were we? Um, against the wall with with his hands on your backside and... Mm, yes. The voice relaxed back into its sultry tone. His hands are surprisingly gentle, you know. All of him is, actually. He prefers a strong hand, likes to be tossed about, a little rough and tumble from time to time. Mostly he is gentle and thorough and heartbreakingly sweet. He was gentle that night. Maybe he worried that I would be nervous, but I wasn't. I wanted him desperately. I couldn't get my hands on him fast enough. I pulled his toga up and took his velvety length in both my hands, and it felt better than any holy sort, I can promise you. And the sound he made! Aziraphale gasped, stroking himself slowly. His moans are like silk. I knew I must have been moaning and gasping with him because his hands were sliding up and down my effort and I had never once been harder in my long life. But his sweet sounds! 
I couldn't imagine anything sounding better to my ears than Crowley mewling helplessly against my skin from the pleasure I was giving him. Oh! Aziraphale sighed, sliding his eyes closed and tightening the grip on his strokes. Oh, oh, oh yes! He gasped loudly as his hips gave an involuntary twitch, pleasure climbing up his spine with every touch, every beautiful word. The other angel gasped too, a quiet moan. I could smell the salt of him, rubbing it into my palms as I brought him closer, and I remember once again fantasizing about how it would taste on my tongue, and then the sneaky snake started talking. Oh, he said the most delightfully filthy things, breath coming fast, voice cracking as he neared his limit, but still that wicked tongue had to say its piece. I could have blushed from it all. It was hardly poetry, and yet I... Oh, I loved it. I was helpless against the boldness of his words, and I spilled for him, cried his name, and in my ecstasy quite forgot to be gentle, and... Uh... Aziraphale moaned along with his double, so close to his own release. Please, please, he begged quietly, palming his bollocks before returning to his firm, quick strokes. <sighs> the other angel sighed, cleared his throat. <clears throat> yes, well, suffice to say Crowley had me quite beyond my wits, and in my release my grip upon him tightened, and I found myself thrusting against him as well, and none too gently. That was when I learned how he loved a firm hand, because my dear demon shook apart beautifully before me. Oh! Aziraphale gasped. Please! Well, who would I be if I didn't test this theory? The other angel purred, and Aziraphale moaned. I all but dragged that demon to my lodgings, bent him over my cot, and ran my tongue over every inch of him until he begged me to fuck him. Instead, I took him into my mouth and sucked him down my throat like I had those lovely oysters. I pulled such moans and pretty blasphemy from his lips, and then he screamed for me when he came. He tasted of brine and rain, like a storm out at sea, and I loved it, and I loved him, and I really loved making him scream the word, Angel. Aziraphale sucked in a ragged breath, his eyes fluttering shut as his stomach dropped. 
the pleasure crashed over his head and he spilled himself over his hand with a strangled moan. He let his head fall back against the back of the sofa as he caught his breath. Please don't tell Crowley, he whispered into the telephone. I believe he has his own problems. <laughs> the other angel chuckled. But this can remain between us, certainly. Shall we discuss our options now? Aziraphale snapped himself clean and stood on shaky legs. He desperately needed a cup of tea. Yes, my dear, he answered, smiling a bit to himself. I am beginning to think we have a lot to discuss. <laughs>